Thank you, band. Crossroads, you guys are gifted. Uh, Blessed to have a band of that magnitude who serve uh, and lead you well. My name is Kyle. I'm a pastor here on staff at Crossroads. Y'all hired me two months ago, uh, and it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, We sold our apartment, bought a place in Chilliwack within the span of like four weeks. We're here We're ready to roll, and throughout this whole sort of beginning process, we felt God's peace and affirmation that we're in the right spot, Uh, and we're ready, excited to love, uh, serve, and reach people uh, with the life-changing message of the gospel. Let me ask you a question that's going to come on the slide this morning, okay? Let me ask you a question. What captivates you? What grabs your attention and holds it? Um, I don't mean things that might occupy your time uh, or preoccupy your thoughts. Like, right, you're on your social media feed and you're just scrolling down. Or maybe you're binge-watching Friends for like the fifth time. Or you're on the second episode of Dateline on a Friday night. Nothing, hey, that, not, not that there's anything wrong with that, right, Shirley? Right? But what's something that's beautiful, uh, that attracts you, that fascinates you, you find delight in, or maybe inspires you. Maybe it's watching the best player in the, on the best team score the best goal of the decade, Connor McDavid, right? Sorry, it's not Elias Pettersson. Um, maybe it's in nature, right? Maybe you, you, you've traveled somewhere, you see something that just puts you in awe. You go, wow, that's amazing. There's northern lights there. Wow, that's something that just inspires me. Uh, You don't have to have a Christian worldview to be inspired or to be put in awe by nature. Uh, For myself, or yeah, there's Mount Xi'an, right? Like on a sunny day here in Chilliwack, amazing, phenomenal when the clouds get out of the way. Uh, For myself, something that captivates me is my daughter. This is our daughter. Her name is Rhea. Uh, She invokes those feelings of of delight. Uh, She inspires me. She fascinates me. Uh, She's beautiful, right? She attracts my attention and holds it. She's a bit of a rascal, but she captivates me, right? She captivates me. Um, Now, let me ask you a question. Has Jesus... Uh, or maybe have you ever experienced a time in your life where Jesus has captivated you, where he's held your attention, he has your heart, he has your spirit? What happened? Like, what happened in that moment? Did the way that you see the world change? Uh, Did it have an impact on your life, your soul? Uh, Or maybe you haven't had an experience like that before, and, and you want one. Uh, whatever your belief system is here this morning, where you stand spiritually, right? Uh, you have to agree the life of Jesus captivated people. He had their attention. Um, he stirred their hearts. He had both followers and haters, right? If he had Twitter, like the mentions would be full of both love and hate. He elicited a response. Jesus elicited a response. It was hard to have a lukewarm reaction when you encountered Jesus. And I want to look this morning at the question for you, Crossroads, for us, 
What would it look like if we were captivated or you were captivated by Jesus, this God of the universe? At Crossroads, this, this Christian God, that's the God that we would teach and talk about here. What if he had your heart? You found delight in him. You found love in him. Uh, he had your heart and spirit. What would it look like? Would your self-image change? Would your self-worth change? Would your life priorities shift a little bit? Uh, would life's anxieties or stresses be dealt, dealt with differently? A lot of you walked in this morning, and there's some pretty weighty issues that you're wrestling with right now. And I believe our story this morning that we're going to read can, can possibly help you. Um, for three and a half years, Jesus, he walked the earth, he's, he's starting up his ministry, and people, right, they're, they're gathering around, and they are captured, they're captivated by him. He's doing miracles, he's loving on people, uh, his life just grabs your attention. Um, and there's, there's just, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where people are overwhelmed and moved by Jesus, but this morning I want to focus on one, one story this morning where two women uh, encounter Jesus, and their names are Mary and Martha. And we're going to read this story this morning, and it's found in the book of Luke. And we're going to read verses, uh, sorry, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. So if you have a Bible, get it out. If you don't, get the app. Throw out your phone. It's okay to have your phone out in church. Download the app version. That's the best one to follow along on. And we're going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. This is God's word, and it goes like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, and take note of this, okay, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's a lot of content in a story like this, uh, but today I just want to focus on a couple points and hopefully point you towards why pursuing the posture of Mary is worth something pursuing for you. So as Mary and Martha, this, this story unfolds, we find Mary, she's in the middle of the living room, she's sitting with the boys or the men, and she's just soaking up the words of Jesus. Meanwhile, Martha, she's scrambling around, she's stressed out, she's checking on the lamb, like making sure the candles are lit, the toilet paper's all there, right? She's on a mission to make sure everything is in place. She is on a mission to make sure that people are served and happy, they're, like, they're served well, right? The people are coming, the people are coming, the people are coming. You know the Ikea commercial? The people are coming. That's, that's Martha right here. That's a little bit obscure, but that's okay. But there's an issue here. There's an issue, all right? Martha's giving 100% uh, and make, trying to make sure people are happy, served well. She's zipping around everywhere. But out of the corner of her eye, she sees Mary. And this just triggers her. This triggers her. And you can hear Martha's frustration 
right? Her thoughts, like, how dare she do this to me? Uh, What is she doing? Uh, Lazy little brat. Doesn't she know that I'm doing everything on my own? She's just sitting there. And that is where her discontentment actually begins. When Martha starts to compare her life to someone else's, she realizes, right, she realizes she's not being recognized or it isn't fair. And sometimes it's that same kind of trap we get caught in when we look at her life on Instagram with that perfect shot for the gram, right? Or he's got the better house. They've got the perfect kids. He got the raise. She got the promotion. He has more friends. He has these giftings. You can see the discontentment that starts to grow when you play the comparison game. Comparison's a tricky little monster, right? Because it never tells the full story. When you look at someone else's life, you only catch that snapshot, all right? It doesn't reveal the pre or the post freak out of your kid or the fight with your partner afterwards. You miss the rest of the story. Uh, Comparison is a thief of joy. And Martha here was caught in that trap, and you can pick up on her discontentment. It can be so easy to get caught up in all the things that you need to do, the things that you need to accomplish, that you lose sight of the thing that is most important. And Jesus makes this even more clear in this meeting with Mary and Martha. So put yourself in Martha's place for a moment. It's easy to just rag on her and go, Martha, are you clueless? Are you clueless? You have Jesus, king of the world, in your house, and you're more concerned about making the Caesar dressing for the salad? Like, what are you thinking? But, like, how distracted, how, like, out of sorts would you be if, like, 20 people show up to your house? And remember, back then, uh, Near Eastern hospitality was a big deal, high cultural value. They had a great fear of dishonoring guests, especially important ones. Then remember, Jesus is in your home. He's the Messiah. He's the most important person in your nation's history. Would you not be distracted, right, about how people saw your home or how they were being served? Of course you would. Of course you would. The strange reaction here is actually from Mary. Uh, She ignored the to-do lists. And it's actually quite remarkable. And again, hey, if you have the text in front of you, we're camping there this morning, okay? So in Luke 10, 39, again, it says, Mary who sat there, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, she was captivated in that moment by the every word and presence of Jesus. She sat there listening to Jesus. Now, a quick sidebar here. Sometimes there is a thought or maybe even like a misrepresentation about Christianity being oppressive to women's rights and gender inequality issues, which is quite true, by the way, about many other world religions. But I love Christianity and how Jesus empowers and gives women a critical role and of equal importance. Now, normally normally people would sit on chairs at a meal like this, but in our text, remember, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. This is significant uh, because disciples who were trained to be teachers would sit at the feet of their teacher, and this was what Mary was doing, and this would have bothered the other Jewish men, right? What is she doing? She's a woman, blah, 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 right? But what does Jesus say? 
What does he say? Okay, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You will always find Jesus affirming, calling, lifting up women in their importance and value. Women, you are so valuable. You're so valuable. You're so important, and you're so thought highly of. I would peace out of Christianity if I didn't find this to be true or couldn't back it up with correct biblical sort of theological interpretation. That's a big word, right? Um, But like, how could I wholeheartedly support or follow a God who demeaned or thought less of my wife or daughter simply because of gender? And hey, straight shooting with you, shame on any Christian men who take certain verses out of context to assert dominance, to use it to control power, or spiritually manipulate women. Like, shame on you. Jesus affirms, always lifts up, and gifts women in such special ways, and we need you so bad. Okay, uh, back to our text. So Martha was, she was irritated, right? She was irritated. Uh, She sees Mary there, and she considers this probably laziness or negligence. And annoyed, she asks Jesus, she goes to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. What was making Martha so anxious here? And so out of short, uh, sorry, sorry, out of sort. We know that she was anxious about many things. Uh, She was anxious about how people would see or view her household. Um, Maybe like her family might reflect poorly on her. Uh, And this anxiety sort of blinded her to the one thing needed. And that was listening to Jesus. All of these unnecessary tasks felt more important than they should be. So the question for you then is, are you ever blinded by busyness to the one thing needed? Are you ever blinded by busyness to the one thing needed? So Martha's self-centeredness was actually an attempt to make herself look good rather than simply stopping, resting, and listening to Jesus. Mary had chosen the one thing needed. At that moment, Mary was more enthralled and captivated with Jesus than Martha. She cared more about what Jesus said than what others thought about her and her home. And because of this, Jesus commended her choice not to serve. And at the heart of this for you and I today, maybe the simplicity of choosing to care more about what Jesus thinks rather than others. That's easier said than done, right? There's a number of Psychology Today studies that show that 70%, this is crazy, that 70% of our thoughts in a day are negative. 70%. So it's no wonder that people, right, if you have so many negative thoughts, you get in this cycle of thinking, man, like the anxiety, the stress, the depression, 70%. That's what a lot of, a lot of the studies out there say, 70%. So after Martha says this, says her peace, Jesus actually offers her a path to peace from worry, anxiety, and concern. Jesus reminded Martha and us what to be concerned with, where to focus, 
And what should take a front row in our brains, our souls, our spirits? And that's relationship with him. When we concentrate on Jesus first, we discover that we're never truly alone or without help. We experience that his grace is enough for everything that we face. We find an inner peace and strength to face whatever comes our way. And those are the kind of truths that keep us at peace in seasons that are pretty rough. So all Jesus is saying here is stop, rest, listen. So he rebukes Martha sort of gently there. It's an act of love. And he's just going stop, rest, listen. Crossroads, stop, rest, listen this morning. These words should be so freeing for those of us sort of on that treadmill or right, that, maybe that performance treadmill of life. It isn't more he requires of you. Oftentimes, it just may be less. So what does it look like for you to be captivated by Jesus like Mary was? How can you put yourself in a place where you're captivated by Jesus and then in turn, you'll be captivated, we're going to say that word a lot this morning, eh? By the things that captivate Jesus. Whether you're a Christian or not this morning, we are all choosing to worship or place our attention or hearts on something. Justin Barrett, he's a developmental psychologist and anthropologist at Oxford University. He suggested, and this will rub atheists a little bit the wrong way, that humans are born believers. He says, whether religious or not, to be human is to interact with the world, devoting ourselves to something or someone. Everybody worships. The only choice is what we worship. That's Justin Barrett. Martha, what was she worshiping? She was worshiping what others thought of her, despite her well-intentioned hopes and actions. In North America, we'll put a lot of emphasis on nurturing your physical body. We'll put a lot of emphasis and value on intellectual intelligence. But the spiritual part of the human is not really taught or valued as much here in Canada or the States to be worked on. Um, and that's, it's, it's sad. It's sad, actually. And that's why this morning I want to talk to you briefly about spiritual practices and how these things can help get you to a place uh, where Jesus has your attention, where you can hear, listen, and be captivated by what he is saying. So things such as study, worship, confession, celebration, gratitude. The list goes on and on. But essentially the point is when you hear and listen to what Jesus says, what happens? These things start to happen. You're reminded that you're loved. You're reminded that you have value and purpose. You're reminded that you're forgiven. Uh, You're reminded that you don't need to live in guilt or shame or fear anymore. Uh, You're reminded that you have gifts to share with others. The list goes on. So these practices sort of help get you to a place where God can grab hold of your heart. And remember, you don't do these things to get right with God, uh, but rather to develop that relationship. Religion, right? Religion says, okay, do this, then you can talk to God and have a relationship. But rather the gospel says, hey, it's covered already. Come to me as you are. So do you ever put yourself in a position to experience God, to know God, to hear from God? He is there and ready to engage with you. The hard part is, or the hard truth is, maybe we aren't, whether intentional or not. 
Sometimes I hear comments like, I never hear from God. If he's real, why can't I hear or feel him or know him better? Now, not that a feeling dictates the status of your relationship with God for a Christian, but I believe there are a few obstacles that do get in the way from a vibrant, healthy relationship. Apathy might be one. Uh, Hurt might be another. Closed-mindedness is another obstacle. Sometimes your family gets in the way. Other times it's pride. I could list in my life how many times God's had to chop me at the knees because of my pride to get a hold of me. Sometimes it's sin that gets in the way, whether it's intentional or unintentional, shortcomings before God. Other times we'll just willfully check out, right? Like we're done, we're too busy. Other times suffering and pain creates a roadblock. Sometimes God will give us the gift of suffering and pain to make us aware of his love and grace. But other times it just takes us out, right? Like the suffering and pain will just take us out spiritually. And I don't say that lightly. Like myself, some of you have been to the bottom of the barrel or are journeying through some of life's, kind of the worst life has to offer right now. And seriously, may God's grace and mercy just rest on you who are hurting. So are there obstacles you can address this morning to simply say, come to Jesus, sit, listen, listen at his feet. If you had a moment of self-reflection, what would they be? What if you simply said, Jesus, hey, this is getting in the way. Can you help me with this obstacle? I want to hear from you. And then what happens collectively, Crossroads as a church, when we're enthralled or captivated with Jesus? What happens? Jesus says we're going to become the salt and the light of the world. So this will penetrate every area of our lives, how we love our family, how we forgive our enemies, how we act at work, at school, online, how we engage with the city and the world, how we care for our planet. Human rights issues will grab our attention. It won't be okay to just be silent and do nothing. We won't be passive with injustice. I honestly believe when Jesus has our heart, we will do anything, be open to anything, to reach the unchurched, those seeking spiritually. So our personal preference for what church should like look like, we'll take a second seat, because we want to share this great gift with everyone and everyone. God will instill a passion to serve and love those no matter where they're at. Remember what Jesus said, and if you don't know or you haven't read the Bible yet, Jesus said, they're going to know you follow me by your love. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. That's how people are going to know. That's where people are going to know you're a Christian. That is it. Nothing else. It's by your love. What if people came to Crossroads and said, or what if I bring my friend, AJ, to Crossroads? He's not a Christian. And he says this. This is a made-up quote, okay? He says this. I thought Christians were judgmental, hated homosexuals, were self-righteous, had an archaic view of women's rights, but instead I found love, acceptance, forgiveness, and a taste and a feeling for what it might be like to meet Jesus. That's powerful. That's what I want people to say when they come here. That's what I want to be a part of, and I think that's what you want to be a part of as well. So everything in your life changes for the better. I really believe that when Jesus has your attention, when you're focused in, when he has your delight, and he's inspiring you, your life is, is much lighter. It's a much lighter way to live, free from shame, 
free from pressure to perform, free from pressure to achieve, all that stuff. Life is better. It's not easier, but it's better when Jesus has your attention and you have him as your leader. Look at Mary's posture this morning. Look at her posture. She was eagerly waiting, listening, resting at the feet of Jesus. It's a much lighter way to live. Martha wanted to control people, places, and things. Mary was just going, hey, Jesus, what do you have for me? I'm here. I'm here. When you do these things, the things that captivate the heart of Jesus will captivate yours. Again, grace, patience, humility, generosity, compassion for the sick, Forgiving yourself uh, and others is possible, not easy, but plausible. A heart to see those in your sphere of influence come to hear Jesus and know Jesus is possible. Restoration of things that are broken is possible. Experiencing true joy and happiness is possible. That's the offer Jesus gives to you this morning. That's the decision for you. So I'm going to leave you with two questions. Two questions to think through. First one is, in what ways are you a Martha? Maybe you're distracted a little bit, uh, misplaced efforts and attention, your priorities are a little off. Maybe you value the opinion and reputation others have of you over what Jesus sees. I often see myself a lot uh, in Martha. I've tended to be a people pleaser in my life, and it brings you really to unhealthy places, right? Whom ultimately are you trying to please and serve? So in what ways are you a Martha? And then secondly, in what ways can you have the spiritual posture of a Mary? It's an attitude of worship, listening with an open mind and heart to Jesus' words, sitting at his feet, wanting to hear, wanting to learn, wanting to be a part of this, this radical movement of love, of acceptance and forgiveness, reprioritizing your values, maybe changing the way you spend your time and energy. In what ways can you have the spiritual posture of a Mary? I love you, Crossroads, and God loves you so much more. Let's pray.